Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on the broom closet, we're welcoming Brian. Brian reads runes in an incredible art form that not too many people hear about these days. Brian, how are you tonight? And tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm doing well, Denise. Thanks for having me on the show. A little bit about myself. Well, I'm going to keep it with the rune side of it. Um, I've been working with runes on and off for going on 35 years. Wow. I was introduced to them at the ripe age of 15, but I didn't really get into them for about another about five or six years later. And mm-hmm. um, I was about 21 when I really got started. I picked up uh, my introductory set that for those that know a little bit about the runes, there's been a, there was always a set that was out in, back in the, the mid to late eighties mm-hmm. um, done by, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mention the, the author, but it was just the book, and there were 25 ceramic runes in the mm-hmm. set. And that was the starter for a lot of people getting into this. Yes. But um, I've worked with them on and off since then, and uh, that's that's my little background on that. Um, I've done a little bit of everything in the metaphysical community. Mm-hmm. I used to work at House of Ravenwood in Yellow Springs. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, which is where we met, as a matter of yes, fact. So, yes, it's a beautiful store. Yep. And where are you working out of now? Truthfully, I'm sort of a, how do I put it, an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had left Ravenwood several years ago, but I'm still in contact with them. They still have my contact information. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I do, I don't really do runes as a, I hate to say the word profession. But as as a as a regular thing, I don't really advertise it. But if someone comes into the store and they're asking for that kind of a thing, um, the, the the lovely folks that are working there, they have my contact information and they have um, full authority to to contact me and, okay. and relay your information. So you can always reach me through through the store. Oh, awesome. Tell us a little bit about the history of runes. It's a very fascinating history, and it goes way back. Uh, Okay, I'll start with the the historical, what we kind of know. Obviously, the the runes are of Nordic Germanic origin, Mm -hmm. and we're looking back... 7800 BC is when we have found some of the most prevalent um, appearances of the of the work and the catch with any of the history though is that the Nordic people and the early ones like that in in similarity to the Druidic traditions in the Celtic lands it was an oral tradition so there wasn't anything really passed down as far as really what they were or really what they were used for. We can, you know, surmise it from, you know, other other nations, kind of like with the, um, I made the reference to the Celtic lands 
Mm-hmm. The only thing we know about them realistically is from what we can extrapolate from, you know, environments, landscapes, and the writings of invasions like the Romans when they right. came over, some of the writings of Caesar and Pliny the Elder. Right. And we have similar things with the runes as well. Um, now, also bearing that in mind, there was also a lot of nonviolent influences mm-hmm. with the the Nords or the Nordic people and the Germanic people being the traitors that they were as well. There's a lot of that overlap too. So, mm-hmm. but we're looking back, you know, seven eight hundred BC when we really started to see some of the the, the bigger appearances. And <clears throat> as far as an alphabet goes. We know that it originated, had several iterations um, throughout time, um, dating all the way back to the Phoenician alphabets. And then it went to the Greek, and then it branched off into a a proto-Indo-European thing. And then it went into Old Italic, and then it developed into what we know as, you know, runes. Mm-hmm. So from there it developed more as what it became known as the Elder Futhark, F-U-T-H-A-R-K. Now, as a side note, Futhark, while it's also the name of the alphabet, mm-hmm. it's also the first six letters of the alphabet. Okay. Fehu, Fehu Urus, Raitho, Ansus. Um, actually, um, my, my, my mistake. Um, Fehu, mm-hmm. Urus, Thurasas, Ansus, Rivo, Kano. Okay. And those are, again, the first six letters of the Elder Futhark. 24 letters. Mm-hmm. And each one obviously not only has a name of its own, it has a semi-physical representation as well. Okay. Now, when I say semi it also refers to several of them are more of concepts. There's a couple of them that are in reference to a Norse deity. Uh, one of them is Tewas, which mm-hmm. is in reference to the Norse god Tyr. Um, the general meaning for that one would be something along the lines of just warrior. Okay. So, so you got the history from, from that point, and then from there, as... It developed more in the Germanic region. You, it had its offshoots, and then it became then Scandinavia and Iceland. You get uh, the uh, younger Futhark mm-hmm. reduced the and it reduced the number down to sixteen characters. There's also an Anglo-Saxon runes, which are thirty-three. Oh. I remember right. I don't work. I don't work so much with the Anglo-Saxon. I've been toying with that in the recent year or so, but okay. I'm not. I'm not as well versed on on that on that set. The younger Futhark is. It, it's almost just. It's a reduced version of the elder Futhark. Okay. So interesting. Uh, most of the people these days work with the elder. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting, and we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit um, when I get more into the metaphysical side of it. But, uh, you know, from there on, it just, you know, the layers, because if you look at the ancient, the, the versions of them, you can see where our even modern day alphabet, how it evolved over time. You can look at the elder, go to the younger, slight variations. You can go to the Anglo-Saxon. Mm-hmm. Further variations. Then there is a medieval runes, mm-hmm. which was the it was the trans um, transitional alphabet between the Germanic influences and our our current um, alphabet. Interest. That's really cool. So, wow. Which ones did you say that you read that you work pr- mostly with? Elder. Uh, yeah. Primarily with the twenty-four, um, and it's and it's interesting. And I'm gonna sidestep just for a second into the metaphysical side. Okay. Um, I mentioned earlier about the the old set that that a lot of early readers mm-hmm. you know began with back in the '80s, and there were twenty-five uh, tiles in that set. Mm-hmm. And for those people that might that may listen to this later and 
and they'll know who I'm talking about. Yeah. They're, they, if you know, you know. <laughs> My mom had them. And, okay, so yep, you know what yep. I'm talking about. Absolutely. Came with the red book. The Mine was blue, as Yours a matter of fact. Yours was blue, yeah. Hers was Mine red. was blue. <laughs> and it's funny, I still have them. Uh, I still have the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, I, ca- I can't bring myself to get rid of it. Um, no, I can't either. From, I have my mom's. Yeah, from from a not only historical but also mythological perspective, it's wrong. I, I'm 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 not going to mince words. It's it's pretty much wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 biggest, I guess, and again, it's my opinion and it's my you know interpretation and my you know studies have mm-hmm. have led me to that. But that twenty fifth rune was a blank one, and. Yeah. I remember in the books, it always re- referenced as Odin's rune. It was the unknowable. Mm-hmm. And in any of the literature, both metaphysical and historical, there is zero reference to a 25th b- blank rune. Hmm. Okay. The, the closest thing is in, uh, there's a writing, it's called the Havamal. And it is found in the uh, the Elder Eddas. There were there were two books: the Poetic Eddas and the Prose Eddas. Mm-hmm. And these were some of the original translations of the Nordic myths. Okay. And it is the Havamal is it's been described as the Norse Book of Psalms. Oh. And it is some of the teachings, the wisdom of Odin who is the metaphysical creator of, I shouldn't know, I'm sorry, my correction. He didn't create the runes. They mm-hmm. were given to him. Okay. But um, there's, a, there's a reference, and I don't remember the exact stanza that it comes from, but you easily look it up. But he makes a reference in that to an unknowable, a, a mystery you know, reference. Mm-hmm. And it's in the same section as the runes. But he only talks about 16 of them. So, but there's, it, it, it's 16 primary, but then there's a few other like supporting rune references. So that's where they get the original 24. Okay. Um, so. Wow. That, you've done a lot of research on this, haven't you? Um, on and off. I've, I, I admit I've never really, you know, sat down and devoted you know, that, that is my mm-hmm. primary focus, but it has been of all of the divinatory practices out there Two I keep coming back to, I toy with the Oum these days because mm-hmm. I'm of Scots Irish descent mm-hmm. and I've always been drawn to the, 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 the Celtic and the Druidic paths, but there's still a soft spot in my heart. This was my first, my first exposure to a, um, sure. a formal divination practice. But it's always been runes and being from a, a farm in eastern Kentucky, dowsing uh, oh, and pendulum okay. work have always been my other side side ventures. Mm-hmm. But um, so I've always kept there's always been a soft spot in my heart for runes. Um, I've always considered myself a, a son of Odin, whether I liked it or not. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I've been doing, as like I said, on and off. For a good, I just turned 50 and I've been playing with these since I was 15. I think that's awesome. So I think that's an awesome thing to study. I find them so fascinating. Um, I have a hard time with the pronunciation of all of these. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, before I interviewed you, I was looking it up and I'd have my iPad speak them. <laughs> Oh. I was like, uh-oh, I might, can't well, even say this stuff. Well, here's here's the other side part of that, that it, it may, to add to the difficulty, it depends on which version you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, because you may have the same rune in an elder as you do in the younger, but depending on the country that used it primarily, they might refer to it as something different. Like I mentioned, okay, in Futhark, um I had actually bookmarked this one because I, I, for some reason, I thought this might come up. Mm-hmm. In, in the Elder Futhark, I see it often referenced as Kano, K-A-N-O. Mm-hmm. But in some of the other references, it's Kanaz, K-A-U-N-A-Z. 
Um, and there's another one, Rido. It's we pronounce it. It's it's spelled R A I D O. Right. Pronounced Rido, but I've also seen it spelled R A I D, and pronounced Raid or Ride. Right. Mm. So yeah, so it's going to depend on yeah, it's going to depend on which which derivative, which etymological descendant you're looking at. Um, is there a Latin influence in this particular region, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. So. What has what drew you to them so strongly that you've kept them in your heart all these years? I always find that fascinating. What people choose. And do you dream think, of them often? Are they something you know, that I don't, comes up? I have I have a weird thing with dreams only because in my other in my other practices I also do a lot of shamanic work, mm-hmm. and so my dreams get a little wonky, and I tend to not really see things, but I just kind of know what's there. Right. So I don't really see them or encounter them in my dreams much, but I will see them show up when I'm out walking in the woods, mm. or if if I'm in doing a walking, I don't normally do seated meditations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really work for me. I tend to do more walking. Okay. So when I'm out and doing an intentional walking meditation, I will see them all over the place. Oh. Um, uh, or I will, you know, I'll say as a matter of fact, it's funny because yesterday I was at the uh, Indian Mound Reserve in Cedarville mm-hmm. and uh I had gone off trail. There's a little area off to the side that I like to, I like to go off and squirrel myself away for a little while. Mm-hmm. And just in the, I don't know, maybe 50 yard walk to the little spot that, that I normally go to, <clears throat> I saw very blatantly. I mean, my eyes just, my head turned and mm-hmm. there it was. I saw the room Gibo. Mm-hmm. Um, now in general interpretations, Gibo represents joy, good fortune. Um, a gift mm-hmm. sometime. And I saw three of those in roughly 50 to 100 yard walk. Oh, awesome. So it, I, I tend to see it like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or if I'm walking down the street, even in urban settings, I will still see runes popping up here and there. Mm-hmm. Or I will see a symbol that is, it might look a little bit to somebody might that does more like ceremonial type work. Uh, would see it more as a sigil, which I do dabble with sigil work, but not not a lot. Okay. But to some, they would see it as a sigil, where I would see it more as a bind rune. Okay. And I'll we'll get them. I'm sure, we'll get to bind runes later. Okay. But um, so that's 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 how I tend to see them. But as far as why I was drawn to them, truth be told, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember. Um, I, all I know is that it was my my best friend's older brother. Um, I was at their house one evening and this was back in the day. I said we were, we were old school Dungeons and Dragons players Mm -hmm. and we were all sitting there goofing around (laughs) with that. And his brother came home from, he was home from, he was going to, going to college at the time and had come home for the weekend. Uh And he said, Hey, I just picked these up and we played with them for a little bit and I was hooked. It just... There was something about them that just grabbed me and hearing this, reading a little bit about the story of Odin and his nine days on the, on Yggdrasil, the world tree and his, his sacrifice for wisdom, mm-hmm. it just, it, it enthralled me and, um, and I was hooked ever since. That's awesome. Do you think it's a past life thing? <sighs> Sometimes I, I'm, I'll be honest, I, you, you've known me for years. God, how many yeah. years we've known each other. I, I'm still as men, as much as I do this kind of work, I'm still the eternal skeptic and I question everything. I think we've run into each other before I met you in Yellow Springs. I think oh, yeah. our lives have crossed several times prior to that. Right. You, and, and you know this in, in whether we delve into it or not. Mm-hmm. You do. You meet those certain people where you just meet up, and it's like, oh, hey, how you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, I call them my soul group. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. on for for another discussion some other time in 
in the Celtic customs, there is a term for that called Anamkara, A-N-A-M space C-A-R-A. And um, it is, some people will try to interpret it as soulmate, mm-hmm. but, the, but the actual Gaelic, from what I've interpreted, is more soul friend. Mm-hmm. And it talks about those that you just, they're part of your, 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 I'll be honest, I hate using the word tribe, but your, mm-hmm. your group. Yeah. There are certain ones that you have always been around. Yeah, I agree. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And it never feels like you're a stranger. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, you can go years without speaking to each other and then you pick it right back up again. Yeah. And it's just a knowing. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love I love when I have people like that. Definitely. So, that, so as far as it being. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So that's really interesting. They just resonated with you basically right away. Yeah. Um, the, the one of the most uh, a side note of that was uh, this was probably I don't know four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I was visiting. There's a a local uh, local bookshop. It's up in Springfield, and uh, the the couple that run it, best friends of mine. I was actually the minister for their wedding. Awesome. And I was visiting one day, mm-hmm. and she had asked me. She's uh, you know also pagan. She focuses a little bit more on the the, the, the North side of things. Mm-hmm. And she knew that I've been doing this for years. And we were sitting there one day at the bookstore and she asked me and she said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this. And I went out and I was trying to talk to Odin and, you know, she said, I had, a, I had, all I had was just a beer and I went out and she goes, and I, I poured it on the ground and I did an invocation. You know, I tried to just talk and, you know, it was this, this, and this. And I said, and she said, I didn't feel like I got anything from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember, and I actually just got chills as I was thinking about this. And I leaned forward and I looked at her and I said, because the all father wants to drink with you. Mm. And she, and I looked at her and, and it shocked me for a second because all the color just drained out of her, her face. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? I started to panic for a second. And she goes, you just channeled the all father. She said, you said that with such emphasis, with such conviction that she said, I heard Odin through you. And I'm like, yeah, it's possible. You know, it's just mm-hmm. that was, and the, cause that was the phrase that those words came to, that was the immediate response was he wants to drink with you. He doesn't want, you know, a supplicant. He doesn't want someone bowing down to him. He wants to be able to sit there and have a mead and talk. Uh, that would make so, sense. Yeah. Definitely would make sense. So my next question is when somebody does have a rune reading by you, how do you approach it with them? Okay. Uh I know we touched. I'm gonna before, before I answer that. I do know mm-hmm. we you you touched a minute ago on the, even the metaphysical history. Did you want to finish that real quick before oh, yes, we go into the definitely reading? okay okay. Um, obviously, from a culture that is, uh, you know, oral traditions and varying, uh, even you know, regional differences. You know, of course, you've got your you know, Norway, you've got Germany, you've got Scandinavia, you've got Iceland. They all have their own interpretations. So there's going to be some differences in the stories here. Okay. But one of the main stories was that Odin would take on different forms. And there's him as the Allfather sitting upon the throne. He's got his spear gun near. He has Hugin and Munin, his two ravens, memory and thought. Or thought and memory, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Freki and Greki are his two wolves that he sits that sit beside him, and he oversees, you know, the meat hall of Valhalla in mm-hmm. Asgard. But there's also another one, and I'm going to be honest, I can never pronounce his name. <laughs> but when he is, he goes into another form of the Wanderer, mm-hmm. and he looks like that is the image of him in the cloaked robe thing he's got the slouched brown hat 
carrying a staff, and there's always the eye patch covering his missing eye. Uh-huh. Now, I've seen pictures. Some say it's right. Some say left. But that eye, the missing eye, is significant in the runic miss. There is one story is that he went down to Midgard, which is our, our realm, and was seeking wisdom and was seeing why the humans were doing and being the way they were. And he finally, through different obstacles and challenges that he not only posed but had to overcome, mm-hmm. he comes to the realization, gains the knowledge to go to Yggdrasil, which is the world tree. Now, the world tree in Norse mythology spans all nine realms of existence. Okay. Midgard being in the middle, and this is where we are. Asgard being towards the top. Hell at the bottom, which is just simply the underworld. Um, and then the other six surrounding. Mm-hmm. And he, as part of his sacrifice, he hung himself upside down for nine days and nine nights. He had been stabbed in his side by Gungnir. He stabbed mm-hmm. himself. He, it was essentially, he was a sacrifice. He sacrificed himself to himself. Right. And, then, and he was hanging above the Well of Wisdom, which resides at the base of Yggdrasil. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the nine days, he reaches up and plucks out one of his eyes and casts it into the Well of Wisdom. And as the waters cleared, the runes appeared in the bottom of the cauldron, in the well. And I've seen it interpret both ways, a cauldron and a well both. Okay. And he reaches down, scoops them up, and returns to Asgard. Mm-hmm. One of the other myths was that he had gone to um, the fates, which reside at the base of the tree as well. Three fates. Um, a lot of similarities, even in in the you know Greek mythology there, and spoke to them, and they said he needed to go and speak to the giant Mimir. Mm-hmm. He goes and speaks to Mimir. Mimir sits at the well of wisdom or the, the cauldron of wisdom. Okay. And the cost of the wisdom was Odin's eye. And in that story, he plucks it out, throws it into the well and takes the runes back. And then there's more to it about him, Odin actually taking Mimir's head uh, mm-hmm. back to Asgard. And then Mimir's head also conveying wisdom, you know, through time immemorial. So. Right. Wow. Wow, that's a lot to take in. A little bit. And yes, there's a lot of, <laughs> and there's a lot of, you know, and, I'm, and we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of cross-cultural mythologies. Uh-huh. Um, but you can obviously see certain elements. Definitely. Um, you know, cross the, the The most obvious one is the tarot, mm-hmm. the hanged man image, is drawn directly from the image of Odin hanging from the world tree. Wow. Absolutely. And to the well and the cauldron, that's Mm -hmm. very interesting too. Very two separate cross cultural things as well. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. And and as well, even in in Celtic mythologies, there are several beings Mm -hmm. that used cauldrons for prosperity, plenty, Wisdom being an element of prosperity as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Wow, that's really cool. All that so. intertwining, I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you asked the question about how, if someone came to me for a reading. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's going to depend on the person. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on on what I pick up off of them. You know, because I will read the, the the client as we're we're talking, mm-hmm. and I don't do readings like um, like a tarot reader would. Right. And you know, there are there are established layouts that have been created over you know over years, mm-hmm. um, and they can work. Some say that you have to read them from right to left. Some say they are left to right. Um, three rune spread, five rune spreads. There are there's a, an equivalent of a Celtic cross 
rune reading. Um, you just reach in your pouch and using whatever medium that you've, you have them. I have, I have multiple sets. I have a few that I've, I've created. Um, I have several bone sets. I have a set of um, handmade glass ones with uh, heavy metal silver embedded in them. Wow. Um, those sound so beautiful. Those are my personal ones. I don't. Uh-huh. I only use those for myself and mm-hmm. possibly select individuals that they if they want a reading. But I don't use that for the general general populace. Okay. Um, but uh, those layouts obviously, you know, come from established, you know mostly from tarot readers have that have branched off and, and, and it works if, if that's how it works for you, that's, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. I tend to go more old school with, um, throwing the bones or casting the bones mm-hmm. in that I'll just reach in my pouch and grab just however many stick to my fingers and drop them on the, the table in front of us between us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have a cloth usually of some kind laying there just to protect the surface and protect the runes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now we're going to tell a story. And depending on what the person needs and what they're asking will be how I tell the story. And I mm-hmm. do it almost intuitively. Yes, I know the meanings, right? but there is so much metaphor with each of the runes that you, you you can't really let yourself get locked into the 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 written mean meaning. Yes, keep the original. Like um, for example, okay, uh, Kano, I referenced that earlier. Mm-hmm. The the definition slash meaning for it is generally referred to as just simply torch. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a few other meanings that have been associated with it. Um, just simply light. But it also references like a boil on on the body, an abscess, an ulcer. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, if you're looking at torts, okay, well, this now means inflammation. Now means mm-hmm. it's a physical burning. It can also, depending on its placement in the spread and in relation to what the client is asking, I could interpret that one as it is a light to a light in the darkness to illuminate your path ahead of you mm-hmm. uh, or it's it's that beacon of solace you know like it's mm-hmm. a whole thing like the the light at the end of the tunnel right but it could also mean that you're holding on to something that's eating away at you and it's inflaming your head to where you can't think straight like a fever would mm-hmm. you know you're not thinking clearly in this matter that your 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 vision is being obscured by this so, and again, depending on its placement, if it's right, you know, I might look at it as if it lands right in front of the, the client. Okay. I will generally read from, from them to me. Mm-hmm. And if that's like the first one, again, depending on, you know, that's going to have, a, have a, an interpretation there, but if it's something, if it lands like right in front of me, that's probably going to be your desired outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeking, if you take this path or if you continue on this path, this is what could be lying in wait for you. Oh, gotcha. So. Wow. Well, I got to say, that's, I think that would be incredible. I've had a reading from you before and it was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I've often heard it described. Somebody has asked me, you know, especially when I was at the store, mm-hmm. you know, they would ask me, you know, it's like, okay, so what's the difference between tarot, um, oracles, and say runes? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, it's pretty, pretty darn broad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, tarot are, you know, they're they're very established. It's almost like it's like the major arcana in the tarot is. It's highlighted. I mean, I've seen it highlighted by the mythologist Joseph Campbell. He mm-hmm. he actually wrote a treatise on that, in how the major arcana is the hero's journey, from mm-hmm. starting out as the novice, the fool, going out into the world and meeting certain individuals and facing certain challenges, and then coming full circle back around to the fool again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we know that playing cards 
originated either from the minor arcana. Some say that playing cards mm -hmm. influenced and influenced the creation of the minor arcana. But I said they're pretty standard. You right. know, in general, the meanings are pretty standard. If you know, if you know one tarot deck, you can work with most others. Mm -hmm. Oracles tend to be more, uh, more etheric. They are more emotional, emotion based. Yes. Um, in 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 comparison to the tarot, which tends to be a little bit more physical based, um, actual events taking place. And an oracle deck is, if you know one oracle deck, great, you know that one. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you know this one over here or that one over there. They're they're very specific. Yes. Theme specific. Runes, let's throw all of that out the window. Um, again, this is and again, this is obviously this this is my experiences with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like the tarot tells you what's going to happen to a degree. The runes are going to tell you what you need to be doing on your for yourself. It tends to focus more on inner work. Mm -hmm. You know, your own inner path and trials and tribulations and challenges. It's it is it tends to be more emotional and mental um, as opposed to physical. Mm -hmm. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I like oracles quite a bit, mm -hmm. but I think women are drawn to those. I could be wrong. I, I, I didn't. I thought about this and I didn't want to go down that path necessarily unless you brought it up. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. glad you did. <laughs> um, it's it's I've, I've noticed again, I've been working with these for a while. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of readers out there mm -hmm. and and I have noticed this. Obviously, there's no I don't have any kind of studies. Mm -hmm. And and I don't want to exclude anyone in my statements, so I want to put that up front. Mm -hmm. But I have noticed that the majority of tarot readers, and again, I say majority, mm -hmm. tend to be feminine. Yes. More rune and oem readers tend to be more masculine. And it would kind of make sense. In my head, it makes sense. I, I, I really don't know why i haven't really mm -hmm. touched on that um but you know it's just it's it's an observation and right. i pointed it out to a couple people um you know a few tarot readers that i know and they're like yeah now that you mention mm -hmm. it and, and and several tarot readers don't really know many rune readers and mm -hmm. they said but all the rune readers they know have been masculine yeah i agree so yeah my mom my mom dove into them quite a bit um, mm -hmm. But she also used to tell me it was really funny. She used to always say, well, she thought she was a man in her past life. Mm, okay. So, you know, when I put that together, even as a kid, I was like, well, then these make sense for you. Right. Well, it's it's interesting when, you, when we're talking about, you know, the masculinity and femininity of things. Mm -hmm. If you go into some of the, uh, the, the, the Norse magic side of things. Mm -hmm. Most um, there's a, a, a there's a term that was used. Um, there's a, a, a vitka or vitki. I've seen it a couple of different ways, and that's generally the it's a sorcerer, a wise man. Mm -hmm. Those were the ones that tended to work with uh, the runes. They were rune masters. Mm -hmm. The art of working with runes is called rune mal. R u n e m a l. Uh, and they tend to be men. But you also had uh, a, I don't want to say a sect, but there was a type of magic, and it was a shamanic type magic called cider, S-E-I-D-R, -E that was practiced primarily by women. According to that, Freya, uh, the goddess Freya, was the one that mm -hmm. taught um, cider magic. Odin taught mm -hmm. rune mall. Okay. And he actually, in the mythology, he sought Freya out to teach him how to do cider magic. Tell people what cider magic is, Brian. It is uh, in the, the best way to describe it, it is a 
It's more seership mm-hmm. as opposed to divinatory work. It's more of a seer work in using auguries, um, seeing animals in movement, mm-hmm. um, tree branches moving when in the wind at a certain time. It is very shamanic in nature. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, like so many things, there's a lot of that's been lost, you know, lost to time. Yeah. Um, it's slowly seeing a resurgence. I love Freya is um, my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite goddesses. Mm-hmm. I have a bird named Freya, as a matter of fact. Nice. Yeah. Well, here's an here's a side note that you you probably obviously know this, but your your listeners may not. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows, of course, if you know even just the touching of Norse mythology. You know, of course, Odin, and you know he had the he had Valhalla where he took the mm-hmm. souls of the fallen warriors. You know, the Valkyries would go out and collect the the honored dead and and take them back. What a lot of people don't also don't know is that Freya was also a goddess of war. Mm-hmm. And she got part of the dead as well. She had a mead hall for fallen warriors as well. Yes. So. A very strong little goddess she was. Mm-hmm. And is, I should say. And I have a very and strong was, bird. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's really tiny, and, but boy, she vocal. <laughs> and it was, and it's great in that you see a lot of that e- equality. It actually existed then. Yes. Whereas you had in the, um, you had the Anir and the Vanir of the different, there were actually two groups of Norse deities. Uh, I sorry, the, I'm sorry, the Aesir and the Vanir. Mm-hmm. And Odin was the, the chief of one of them. And Frigga was his, was his wife. Mm-hmm. She was kind of, I hate to say traditional, but in, in, you know, Nordic times, it was, yeah. you know, goddess of home and hearth and, and, mm-hmm. you know, all that. And, on the other side, though, you had Freya. She was the goddess of war, and it was more of a dual leadership with that group because her brother, Freyr, was the like the god of nature and vegetation and growth. Mm-hmm. So, that's really interesting. Yeah, a little bit of a flip. So, I like it. Yep, I really do. I like that. There's a, a tremendous amount of balance in the old goddesses and gods i think Mm -hmm. on you know the nordic side in the celtic side as well oh very much yeah and i that's what i love about this stuff and it's just to me that's very incredible well it's one of the things on again here's there's another rabbit hole you could go down you know some other time but Mm -hmm. it's it's in 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 that theme you know two of the most prominent uh, well, I'm not. I'm only going to talk about one. I'm only going to speak on one. Mm-hmm. Is the the Celtic goddess Bridget? Oh yeah. Um, she was so beloved um, that during the conversion times, um, they couldn't get rid of her. There was no way to remove her mm-hmm. from the, the 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 regular practice and worship. So the early church actually made her a saint. Yes. And she was the. Uh, um, became the 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 midwife to Christ. Yep. So. Pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And the balance is incredible. You're right. And definitely, you know, at some point, I would love to have you come back and talk about these goddess, gods and goddesses. You can do that sometimes. Because yeah. you're so knowledgeable on those with all the research that you've done. I, I'm, I, I've got a lot. I'm not going to say I'm an expert by no means. I'm um, a well-versed amateur. I'll believe it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I think you're very good at this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. So what but, is uh, some of your most favorite things about your readings and about the root? I mean, I know you love the runes, but mm-hmm. if you had to pick a couple of things that that just sparked you. And, and tell people about them. What would you do? What would you say? You, you know, in all honesty, I would probably, if I was trying to explain anything with it, you know, just the, I, I don't know. I really, there, there's so many elements to it that's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, even the simplest of things of, 
you know, it's like you, you pick up a, one of the uh, a little stave or a, uh, a, a bone tile and all you've got is just, you know, like there's one, it's the, the rune Isa. All it is is that it's a straight line mm-hmm. up and down. And there is there's so much not just knowledge, but there is so much even just wisdom mm-hmm. that is is held in that one simple mark. Um, and, and obviously in context, mm-hmm. you know, any other time a mark on a piece of paper is just a mark or it's the letter I or, you know, it's part of an arrow or whatever. But in this context, this means ice. Mm-hmm. It means stand still or at least slow progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's that interpretation again. You know, for some people, I would read that one as ice. It is frozen like a lake. Mm-hmm. And if there's no movement, it's solid. But then there's times where, again, depending on the question or issue at hand, this might be like a glacier where it's extremely slow movement. But it's still moving at least. Right. So there's a little bit of that hope there. But as as far as something that might really spark, um, it, it was it's it's a side topic that I, I briefly touched on a minute ago would be bind runes. Mm-hmm. Um, bind runes are essentially Norse sigils. They are the combination of two or more runes combined into one cohesive um, integrated symbol. Mm-hmm. And you would find those, um, you'd find them inscribed on shields, on the prows of their ships, um, maybe inscribed over the, the, you know, the, the, the door frame as a protective ward, things like that. They might uh-huh. carve them or have them etched into the blades of their swords to give them additional strength, things like that. Wow. And, um, and, and it's funny because I was, I remember uh, an individual actually had come to the store one day and we were briefly talking about those. And the individual, we had gone from talking about stones and crystals and the energies and how we can work with those into runes somehow. I don't even remember how we got onto the topic. Right. And I said, it's kind of like what I. I told the individual a few minutes prior, they had this whole bag of, of, of stones. And it's like, they, they said, they're not working. They're not helping. And I still feel anxious or whatever. I said, because they're neutralizing each other. I said, you, you've got too much going here. I said, you don't need all of them. Mm-hmm. I said, you're, you're over, you're overdoing it. And I said, bind runes are the same way. You want as few as possible to achieve the desired outcome. If you start loading in, you may as well just take all runes, all 24 of them, throw them together into one thing and <laughs> hope for the best. Right. So now, interestingly, there is a symbol called the Web of Weird, W-Y-R-D. And it is, it looks almost like a, um, it's about the shaped wise, like, like a playing card, you know, long mm-hmm. on top. And it incorporates all 24 runes into it. And it forms a web. Oh, interesting. And that's, that's another, yeah, that's, she just talking about weird can be uh, a whole nother, a whole nother segment as well. Cause that represents the, you see that referenced in a lot of cider magic as, as, I mean, in, in runic and runemal as well, but it represents that interconnectedness of all things. Oh, that's so. wow. You're right. This could be like a whole college course. I've heard that there are a few. Um, you can you could you could go into this, even just the the anthropological and archaeological side of it. Mm-hmm. Shoot, even edit, even um, linguistics. You could you could probably find uh, an entire quarters course on just runes. Oh, I, I believe it. That's just, it's huge. I mean, wow, you have definitely, I need to have you back because that's fascinating. So, 
Definitely fascinating. Brian, how do they get a hold of you for these readings? You know, like I said, off the top of my head, I don't have I don't have the phone number, mm-hmm. um, but you can find it's House of Ravenwood in Yellow okay. Springs, Ohio. Um, you can find them on Facebook. Um, get their phone numbers. Give them a call. The folks there, um, you know, they know me, and yeah, they can. I can be reached through there. Hold on here. I'm going to try to find that phone number for them, and I'll okay. also put it on the details of the okay. podcast. So if you go on to iTunes, our Spotify, everyone, you can see the phone number and then you can get a, a reading from Brian, um, which I think will be a wonderful treat for yourself. And what days do you usually like to do your readings? You know, my schedule is pretty fluid. Um so it's just, you know, send a message, get a hold of me, and we can work out arrangements from there. So normally it would be during the week. Um, during the day is the, the, the best, actually best time to, uh, to reach me. I do, have, I do have some other projects that I tend to work on on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but for readings and things, because it's not my primary these days. Okay. Like I, said, I still keep up. To, I'm still in practice. I still, still do them. Um, it's just not my primary right now. Okay. And uh, so during the week is still probably the best time to get me. And okay. I can do them over the phone. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. A lot of stuff is done over the phone now. I do mm-hmm. all my interviews over the phone, that's for sure. Yep. Okay. Ravenwood is 937 is the area code. 767-2819. And they can get you hold of Brian for Boone Reading. Also, Brian, you have a Facebook page, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they can reach you through there. Yes. Okay. And if you can't find Brian on Facebook, please log log into Facebook and ask DD Moonflyer. That's my page. And I can get you that information about Brian as well. And hopefully you'll come back on, Brian, and talk more about the runes and some goddess and goddess. I'd, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Again, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Blessed be and have a fantastic week. And may you, it bless you. Thank you very much. You too. All right, Brian. Bye. Bye.